Andrew Womack Ministries presents the 2007 Fort Worth Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen to this session. And then this morning I started talking about how that Satan, I believe, rebelled in the Garden of Eden. Not prior to the Garden of Eden. He didn't make a frontal attack on God with one-third of the angels against God who retained two-thirds of the angels. That's not how he rebelled. The way that he rebelled was in the Garden of Eden. He was Lucifer, the anointed angel that God sent there to minister to Adam and Eve. And he was there to serve them, but he got jealous of God. He tried to exalt his throne. And the way he did it was to come against the creation of God, Adam and Eve, that God gave unconditional authority and control over this earth to. And Satan knew that if he could get Adam and Eve to voluntarily yield to him and reject God's leading, then the authority and power that God gave mankind to rule this earth would pass to Satan. And I believe that that's exactly what happened. And the significance of this is that that means that Satan isn't using supernatural angelic power. He was defrocked of all of that the moment he rebelled at God. That was a delegated power. The power that Satan has been ruling with is human authority and power. We were created to be the gods of this world. Psalms 82.6 says that God called us gods, not capital G, but small g, absolute rulers and, and having dominion over this earth. And Satan became the god of this world because man empowered him. So in that sense, man is the one that made Satan. God created Lucifer, but man made Satan. We gave him our authority. And this means that Satan can't do anything without our consent and cooperation. Even a pig has more authority in this earth than a demon. And that's the reason they requested to go into these swine. uh, Because even a pig, a frog, has more power and authority than the devil. Satan can't do anything without a physical body's cooperation. Boy, that is powerful. And this also leads to uh, the point that I want to talk about tonight. And that is that when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority in in, uh, Genesis chapter 1. He told them, let's just turn over to Genesis chapter 1 and let me start with these verses to make my point tonight. And I want to encourage you to track with me. This is going to take a little bit of thinking on your part. I know that this isn't typical when we come to church. Most people don't want to think. They don't want to learn something. They want to be entertained. They want to feel the anointing. They want to be fired up. Usually it's more like a cheering session. And there's certainly times that we need that. All of us need to be encouraged. But you know, it's also great benefit to learning the Word of God. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. John chapter 8 verse 32 says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Only the truth you know can set you free. And so you've got to use your brain for something besides a hat rack. So this will take a little bit of uh, effort on your part to follow tonight. But if you'll follow along with me, this could really transform your life and help you to understand some foundational truths. So the Lord created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1. Let's drop down to verse 26. 
And God said, let us make man in our image. Now I'm going to come back to this point, but notice that God said, let us make man. We use these terminologies that God scooped down and grabbed the earth and out of the earth he formed all of this. And we talk about in the hands of the Lord. And that's okay for symbolism and and analogy, allegory type things. But technically speaking, God didn't do anything. He created the heavens and the earth and everything physical, including us, by words. Words are how he created everything. He spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light. We'll say that he flung the stars out in space, but he didn't use his hand and throw it. He spoke it. That's what everything he did. He said, let there be light. Let the earth bring forth. Let this happen. Let us create man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That's including the devil. He is a creep. So God created man in his own image. Image In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and God said. Here's also how the blessing of God is transmitted. It's by words. Words create everything. Words release the power and the blessing of God. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God spoke the worlds into existence. God spoke physical bodies into existence. And you know, some people may think I'm making a bigger deal out of this than what, I, what it's really here. But I, if I had more time, I believe I could prove this to you without a doubt. That when God says something, like Psalms chapter 89 verse 34 says this, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone forth out of my lips. When God says something, it's like a contract. God never lies. God never says something and then says, whoops, (laughs) you know, I changed this. Or he's not an Indian giver. Pardon me if you're an Indian. My wife is an Indian. I'm not against Indians, but I'm just saying God doesn't just take it back. God doesn't say, I'll give you absolute dominion and authority and you rule. It's yours. Do with it what you want to. And then when he sees what man did, well, I don't like what you did. I'm taking it back. No, when he says something, it's a contract. It's binding. You know, over in uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, and there's many other scriptures that say this same thing, but in Hebrews 1, 3... It says that Jesus is the express image of the Father, talking about an exact image of the Father and the brightness of His glory, and He upholds all things by the word of His power. This whole universe is held together by words. It was created by words. God said, let there be dirt. He didn't say those words, but when He's created the earth... He created these things with his words. And did you know dirt is held together by his word? There are scriptures that talk about that the seas know their bounds and God has set a bound and said that they will not pass over it and they don't pass over it. God's word created everything physical. He created you and me. He created everything. And it's the power of his word that created it and holds it together. You know, I heard Oral Roberts one time preaching and he said that in a slice of bread, 
a regular white piece of bread, one slice of bread, that there is enough nuclear energy to power an ocean liner across the ocean and back. Every atom has that much power in it. But man has only been able to split some of the unstable atoms like plutonium and some things like this. But every atom has the same power in it. They just haven't been able to split it. And from what we understand, you know, I've never personally seen this, but this is what we learn in school is that you got the nucleus and then these electrons and stuff that go around it. If you could magnify one atom and make it big enough so that we could see, there is literally lots of space inside of this atom. And in the nucleus, you have equally charged parts that everything we know, when you put two negatives together, they repel each other. When you put two positives together, they repel each other. According to science, we don't understand what holds these nucleus of atoms together so strong. And there's only a couple of elements out of all of the creation that we are able to split and release that power. And yet, according to everything we know, they should be flying apart. What holds these atoms together? Hebrews 1.3, he upholds all things. And if you study that out, he holds everything together by the integrity of his word. If God was to ever lie, you and I, this you, this creation, everything would self-destruct. If there was one bit of, of lack of integrity in God, if he ever broke a promise, if God ever said anything and it didn't come to pass, the universe is held together by the integrity of his word and it would literally self-destruct. As long as we see everything still together, that's a proof that God has never broken his word. God never says anything and then takes it back. Jesus said when he was talking about speaking to the mountain, he says, you have to believe that the things you say come to pass. Not just the things God says, the things you say. And you know, one of the reasons Jesus could talk to a fig tree and instantly die Because he never said anything that he didn't mean. He never joked about anything. He spoke nothing but truth. And because of it, his words came to pass. So the point is that when God created Adam and Eve, and then he said, you have dominion. Absolute dominion. He gave this to physical human bodies. And yet the scripture says in John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is a spirit. God's not a physical body. God's a spirit. Did you know that when he said, I give you authority, I give you dominion, he just took his power, his right to rule and reign and control the earth, and he gave it to physical human beings. And in a sense, he excluded himself from ruling over the earth. I know that this is a new wrinkle in some of your brains. Most people just think, well, no, God is God. God can do anything he wants to. Well, God is God, but because he is just and he's holy, God will never break his word. The whole universe is built on this process. And because of that, God couldn't just say when man sinned, I don't like what you did. I take it back. King's X, time's out, do over. We're going to change this. No, he was bound by his word. You know, the scripture says that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. The word godly means like God. God will swear to his own hurt and change not. God will say, I give you dominion. And if we go out and blow the whole thing, he won't violate his word. He'll let his whole creation, the whole 
uh, earth, go into turmoil. All of the animal creation, it says in Romans chapter 8, was made subject to vanity because of hope. God had hope and he put them subject to us and he will not change. The whole world was plunged into terrible problems and yet God didn't just come and instantly snap his fingers and solve it because he didn't have a physical body and he gave rulership to human beings and human beings were given this earth to do with as we see fit. You know, Jamie and I gave a car to some friends of ours one time and it was a, it was a nice car. It was the nicest car we'd ever had and we just gave it to them and blessed them. And they were so appreciative. But after just a few months, it was a really nice car and they had financial needs and they wanted to sell this car and get something a little less and use the money. And anyway, the guy felt kind of bad because we had given him the car. So he came to me and this is what we feel we should do. And we've prayed about it. Is that okay? And I said, I don't care what you do. It's not my car. It's your car. And he says, no, you gave it to me. I said, I gave it to you. It's your car. If you want to put it out there and charge $5 for people to take a hammer to it, never hit. I said, do what you want to. That's your car. And he just couldn't believe it. But you know what? I gave it to him. I didn't have any control over it. It was his. God gave the earth to us. He didn't intend for man to do what they did, but they did. And God, because of his holiness, would not violate it. And now this really blesses me. This answers some questions for me. Why did the Lord wait 4,000 years after the fall of Adam and Eve before Jesus came to this earth? It says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He knew that this was going to happen. It's not like it caught him by surprise. How did it take, why did it take 4,000 years for Jesus to come? Why did Jesus even have to come? Well, that, that question is answered by the fact that man, physical human bodies are the only ones that had authority in this earth. Satan deceived us and we yielded our power to him. And God couldn't just come down here and wipe out the devil because we had become, in a sense, joint heirs with him. We had joined with him. We gave him that authority. And so the only answer was God had to become a man. God had to come down here and get a physical body so that he could do things. And this morning I used uh, John chapter 5, I believe is around verse 27, uh, where it says that he had authority to execute judgment because he was the son of man, talking about his physical body. And so this physical body was necessary. Jesus had to become a man. But why did it take 4,000 years? Here's the logic. When God created the first body, how did he do it? He said, let us make man in our own image. He spoke Adam's body into existence. But that was when he was the one that was in absolute control and absolute in authority. Now, he had turned the control and the authority over the earth to man and God wasn't a man. So, how did God speak the second Adam into existence? It couldn't be just a natural birth because all men had sin flowing in their veins. We were all corrupt. We were all by nature a child of the devil and we reproduce in our own image. If Jesus would have just been anybody born of a father and mother, well, then he would have been corrupt 
And and only a sinless man, only a pure God man could have redeemed the whole human race. If he would have just been a natural man, if he would have been the best man that ever existed, one man's life is only worth one man's life. But if he was God in the flesh, then his life was worth more than all of his creation. The creator is greater than the creation that he made. And so how did God create this second sinless man? He had to speak him into existence, but he was no longer in direct control. So you know what this made meant? And this is a great truth. If I have more time, I'm going to amplify this tomorrow. But God had to work through mankind. He had to find somebody with a physical body because they were the ones that now had dominion and control and absolute authority over this earth. He had to find physical human beings who would speak things into existence. He couldn't just do it on his own because he had turned this earth over to mankind. In Psalms 115, let me just read this verse. I think it's, uh, I'll have to look up the verse number, but it's Psalms 115. And in verse um, 16, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. That's a strong statement. In other words, everything outside of the earth belongs to God, but the earth he gave to the sons of men. Now, there are other scriptures like Psalms chapter 19 that says the uh, earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they who dwell therein. But there isn't a contradiction between this. God is the owner of the earth, but he turned the dominion, the control of it over to man. He gave us dominion over this earth. So he couldn't just come down and create a new man and instantly solve this situation. He had to flow through people and speak through people. And Jesus' physical body had to be spoken the same way that Adam's body was spoken. God said, let us make man in our own image. He used words and created Adam's body. Now he needed to create the second man, Adam, is what he's called over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But he had to speak through people. And there were things that had to be said. And you know why it took 4,000 years? Because no man, no one man could speak with the same authority and power. They just couldn't wrap their heart, their brain around all of the things that God could say in one sentence. And so he had to spend 4,000 years finding somebody. He found Isaiah. Who, boy, what a, what a man of faith Isaiah must have been to, to write down for everybody to see that a virgin is going to conceive and bear a child. Can you imagine how much faith it must have taken to give that prophecy that a virgin is going to bring forth a child and he will rule and his name will be wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace and of his kingdom and dominion, there will be no end. Micah, I think it was Micah or Malachi prophesied he will be born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied All of these things and all of these things had to be said about Jesus. It took hundreds of people over thousands of years to piece all of these pieces together. Whereas God could have just said it if it would have been him alone, but he had to flow through people. 
And man, there just wasn't that many people that were sensitive to God and would hear Him in their heart and then speak forth these utterances. You know, again, if I had time, I could spend so much time on this. When you prophesy, when you say something in the name of the Lord, it has power in it. There is power in it. You know, I was talking to Lou Murchison tonight. I don't know where she is, but I was visiting. Here's Lou back here. And I was visiting with her. And I've been studying a little bit about quantum physics. She's telling me she was studying that. And anyway, I'm not going to get into quantum physics tonight because I'm not qualified. But I have read these things. And, you know, they say that space is empty and stuff. Now they're finding out that there is all kinds of energy and things out there that we haven't been under, able to understand And when you speak words, did you know that the physical universe, they are now getting scientific evidence that when you say words, the physical universe around you begins to change and alter according to your words. The Bible said this a long time ago in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, they are now saying that, you know, they've, they've looked at atoms and you have the nucleus and the electrons going around it. And they say that it's according to a pattern. And I know that this sounds weird and I don't know for sure, but I've, I've read a couple of books on this lately that they say now that those atoms are only like that when people are looking at them. When people aren't looking at them, they're different. Now, how, do, how did they figure out that? If, anyway, we're getting a little out there, but the point I'm making is that science is now beginning to realize that when you imagine something and when you speak things, that it affects the physical world. The physical world around you responds to words. And I believe that that is a scriptural principle because everything physical was created by words. And when a spirit-filled believer speaks in the name of the Lord under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, it creates things. It has power. It releases power to create God spoke Adam into existence, but he took 4,000 years because there wasn't that many people listening to him, not that many people that would utter these things like a virgin is going to have a child. I bet you there's a lot of people God spoke that to and they thought that can't be God and they wouldn't speak that one. And so because of this, the Lord had to pick different people over 4,000 years and spoke all of these things. And the scripture says about Jesus, when the fullness of times was come. If you study that out, that means at the appropriate moment. If he would have come before that, it would have been inappropriate. All of the words hadn't been spoken. The prophetic utterances hadn't been given and Jesus wouldn't have been a complete whole person. Everything that had to be said for Jesus to come into existence had to be said. And until it was said, he couldn't come on the scene. God had to create a new Adam, but he was limited to having to do it through people. And look at this over in uh, Luke chapter 1. This is where the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary. And in Luke chapter 1, and let's start reading with... um, Verse 26, and in the sixth month, this is talking about the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
You know what? If you're reading a version that says the young lady or the young damsel's name was Mary, just throw that Bible out. Just do me a favor. Do God a favor. Do yourself a favor and get rid of it. This is pivotal. Unless Jesus was born of a virgin, then all he was was another sinner. This is critical. Critical. You know, I was over in Germany last week. This was so funny. And I was preaching out of Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, that says, How be it this kind cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. And I'd been reading up to that, and we read verse 20. And when I got to verse 21, I said, Now, let's read verse 21. And I was waiting on the interpreter to read it, and he fumbled around. What verse? And I told him, and so he fumbled around. Finally, he read something, and the people said, No, that's not it. And finally, he looked over at me and he says, I don't have verse 21 in my Bible. And I said, what? And he says, my Bible says that that's not in the oldest manuscripts and they didn't put verse 21 in. And I, I looked at him and I said, no wonder you aren't walking in any more victory than you are. And I took his Bible and I threw it over on the chair and I said, anybody got a real Bible here? And they brought it up. It was really funny. But I tell you what, you need to have a right Bible. You need to have a Bible that has all the verses in there. And you need to have one that says that it was a virgin because this is critical. If Mary was married to a man, if a man would have supplied the seed, if Jesus would have been nothing but a physical man, then his life wasn't worth any more than another physical man. Jesus wasn't a man. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Through Mary, he got a physical body, but it was the blood of Jesus, the blood of God the Father flowing through him, and he was a God-man. He was a unique creation with no sin in him. So it says that uh, he was sent to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said... Uh, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. You know the only time that this phrase highly favored, there's only two times in the New Testament that this is used. That's right here and in Ephesians 1.6. And in Ephesians 1.6, it was translated that we have been made accepted in the beloved. Talking about every believer. Those are the only two times. So, the accepted in Ephesians 1.6 corresponds to the highly favored here in verse uh, 29. Mary didn't have a single thing on a born-again believer. We are highly favored. We are accepted exactly the same as Mary is. She was blessed, but so am I. Amen. Matter of fact, Jesus said, those who believe on him are more blessed than Mary, is what Jesus said. That usually goes over about like that. (laughs) And so in verse 29 it says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for uh, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, 
said the Lord God, and, or excuse me, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Old English for saying that she hadn't had sexual relationship with a man. You know, sometimes people ask questions and like Zacharias got struck dumb because he doubted God. But there's nothing wrong with questions if your motive is right. If she would have said, I don't believe this. How could this happen? You know what? That would have been unbelief and that would have avoided this whole thing and there would have been some reaction from God. But hers wasn't a question of disbelief. It was a question of like, God, I believe, but how is this going to happen? You know, if Abraham would have asked, God, how am I going to become the father of many nations? Is it through Hagar or through Sarah? If he would have asked the right question, he could have been told the answer and we could have avoided the whole Arab-Israeli conflict. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with questions if your heart is right. She was not asking this out of unbelief. It was just like, God, how's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a child? And look at what the angel... Uh, said unto her, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. You know, when it says with God, nothing shall be impossible, the Greek word, actually there are three Greek words used for this nothing shall be impossible. And it's a compound word. The first one is no, N-O, and it literally means it's an absolute, unqualified, total negative. Absolutely nothing The second word means all. That's the way it was translated hundreds of times. And the third word, that all three of these words translated together meant nothing. The third word is the word rhema. A spoken word of God. So what it's saying is absolutely no word, spoken word of God is impossible. Matter of fact, Montgomery's New Testament translates it this way, that no word of God is without power of fulfillment. So Mary said, how is this going to be seeing I know not a man? And this angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and you are going to conceive of the Holy Ghost because with God, no word of his is void of power of fulfillment. Here's, here's what I believe actually happened. She says, how's this going to be? And he says, the word of God is going to conceive this in you. Yes. And all of these words that had been spoken for 4,000 years, that it had taken hundreds and hundreds of people to speak, and all of these prophecies, you know what happened? Gabriel came with these words. Here was all of the things, the prophetic words that had been said. And he came and he says, Mary, this is yours. Are you willing to accept this? And she humbled herself and notice what she said. Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You know what happened? 
All of these words, all of these prophecies entered into her womb. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Man, that is so appropriate for what happened. All of these words that had been spoken were implanted in her womb. And in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. The scripture there calls the Word of God an incorruptible seed. The Greek word for seed there is spora, which we're talking about a seed that you plant in the ground. But that word spora actually comes from the word sperma, where we talk about the seed of a man. The word of, did you know that the virgin birth was completely natural in every respect except one? And that is that a man didn't put his seed in her. It was the word of God, the seed of God's word that entered into her and it germinated. And everything else about the virgin birth of Jesus was completely natural, totally natural. Just a man didn't supply the seed. God supplied the seed and the word became flesh. That's why it took 4,000 years because God had to speak this body into existence the way that he did Adam and he couldn't find one person. And then when all of those words were complete, the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary with the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Boy, that's powerful. And let me just say this, that if God himself to create his own son observed his laws, that he had created, if he observed the authority when he said that he gave mankind and he wouldn't violate it and just say, time out, let's do it over. I'm going to do this. We can get it over with quick. If he was constrained by these things that had gone out of his mouth and if he wouldn't violate them. And even though it took 4,000 years, he was patient and waited until enough words were spoken and Jesus could become flesh. If that's the way that God operated you can't operate any differently. Who do you think you are that you can just pray and have a miracle just drop out of the clouds? You know, it's, it's the exact same process. How did God create the heavens and the earth? How did God create your body? How did God do everything? When Jesus taught on this, he said, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou cast into the sea and be thou... Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. Jesus told you how he did things. He spoke them into existence. Exactly the same as God. That's the way that God's kingdom operates. And if God himself operated by all of these things, here we are praying and asking, oh God, heal me. And yet we speak things contrary to what we believe. We don't take the word of God and plant it in our heart. You know, in a sense, I don't know that this is accurate, but it's a symbolic thing if it's not, if it's not physically true. But in the spirit realm, you have a womb, a spiritual womb, just like a woman has a physical womb. Matter of fact, I'm not going to teach on this right now, but I've been doing a lot of study on the word imagination. And the word imagination in the Old Testament that was used 
When God said that the imagination of man's heart is only evil continually, He says nothing will be restrained unto them that they have imagined to do. Also that same Hebrew word, Isaiah 26, 3 said, God, the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him because he trusteth in him. That word mind is the same word that was translated imagination in Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 9, Genesis chapter 11. And that word, when you look it up in the Hebrew, means conception. Your imagination is your spiritual womb. If you can't conceive it on the inside, if you can't see it on the inside, you can't see it on the outside. You have to conceive things. It's Whether that is literal or whether it's symbolic, you have a spiritual womb And you know how you conceive things? You take these supernatural words that created the heavens and the earth. And you meditate on them. Not just thoughts, but you meditate until it becomes an imagination. Until it conceives. Until you can see it. See, there's some people that know that by the stripes of Jesus they're healed. And they can stand on that and they know it and they cry out, Oh God, heal me. And they petition God and seek God. But they don't take the word and meditate on it. By his stripes I'm healed until they see themselves healed. They don't ever let that seed take root. It's like a physical seed you plant in the ground. They don't give it time to germinate. They just hear it and think, Oh, it's God's will for me to be healed. God, heal me. But have you meditated on it until you've conceived it? Do you let the Word of God take root in you? Do you impregnate yourself with the Word of God? And you know, just like a woman, when she first gets pregnant, she doesn't even know she's pregnant. It takes a period of time before a woman knows that she's pregnant. The person who's pregnant doesn't even know they're pregnant at first. It takes a while. And yet that conception has already taken place. And you know, just just like that, there's some of us that you've been praying and seeking and asking for things and you've been studying the Word and you don't know it, but you've already got a miracle planted on the inside of you. It's in process. And then you go through a period to where the woman knows she's pregnant. Nobody else knows it. It doesn't show. It's not obvious. But she knows. She can tell that her body has changed. And you know what? You go through the same thing where all of a sudden you know that, boy, something's happening. You know that the Word of God's working on the inside of you. Nobody else knows it. You know, when I was living over here in Arlington, God spoke things to me and told me things that I was going to be doing. And I saw things. I got spiritually pregnant. I knew things. I knew that one of these days I'd have a worldwide ministry that would reach around the world and millions of people would be touched. And I said it to a few people. But you know what? I didn't say it very often because, you know, if you bend over and pet a dog, every time you get bit, you're going to quit petting that dog. (laughs) I quit speaking my vision because everybody had looked at me. And I mean, I was having a church. I ministered for two years in Seagaville, Texas, and the largest crowd we had was 12. (laughs) And we were starving to death. And I was telling people, I'm going to have a worldwide ministry, you know. I knew I was pregnant. I knew the Word of God was on the inside of me, but nobody else believed it. Nobody else believed it. 
You know, I got my niece here and her husband, and they know some of the things in our family and stuff. And my family's always loved me. We've had a good relationship. But there's been a few times that they've thought I lost my gourd, amen. They just thought I was absolutely crazy. And, and you know, it's understandable. It's understandable. They weren't the one that was pregnant. Same thing wasn't growing on the inside of them that was on the inside of me. But you go through this thing to where you don't even know it's working, but God is doing something on the inside of you. Then you come to a place to where you know something is different. You know something is working, but nobody else believes it. And you know what? You just have to give it time. Let it incubate. Let it grow. There's a time. The Bible says there is seed, time, and harvest. And it's more like seed, time, and then harvest. Amen. There's always this period of time in between. And some of us are just looking for an instantaneous thing. You know, we pray for people up here, and I don't know how to administer this any differently, but the truth is that some of you don't need, the moment you have a physical problem, you don't need prayer, you don't need healing right then. What you need to do is to take the scripture and let it meditate on it until it germinates, till it conceives on the inside. And then there's an appropriate time to pray, just like there is an appropriate time for a birth. And we're always quick to just go have somebody pray for us. But can you see yourself healed? Do you see yourself well? Have you really conceived it? What are you seeing on the inside? What's in your imagination? You know, I heard a tape about a woman, a pastor's wife, who was legally blind. Had these huge Coke bottle type glasses that she was legally blind without her glasses. And there was a healing evangelist coming to her church. And she knew that this guy was going to want to pray for her. And she didn't want anybody to pray for her because she had been prayed for before and she was discouraged and she didn't need another discouragement. And so she tried to avoid him. He cornered her, made her take off her glasses and prayed for her. And so after he prayed for her, he says, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes to check and he said, shut your eyes. So she shut her eyes real quick, wondering, you know, what's the deal? He asked me if I could see. And so he said again, now can you see? So she started to open her eyes again. He said, shut your eyes. And she shut her eyes real quick. Thoughts, what, what's he doing? And he said the third time, can you see? And so she started to open her eyes. And he said, I didn't tell you to open your eyes. You got to see it on the inside before you can see it on the outside. Can you see yourself seeing? And finally she understood. And so she kept her eyes closed and just prayed in tongues. And after a while she says, I've got it. I can see myself seeing. He says, now open your eyes. And she opened her eyes and she could see. You know what? I think that there's many of us that we don't let the seed take root and germinate. We just pray and we're looking for something external. But the power of God is comes from the inside out, not the outside in. We need to conceive the word. We need to carry that word. And so there's a period of time that the woman knows she's pregnant. Nobody else does, but she knows it. There's a period of time that you know you're pregnant. You know the word's working, but nobody else believes it. But then you come to a stage, everybody can tell you're pregnant. Amen. Everybody knows it. Everybody can see it. And everybody's saying, man, when is your baby due? 
And you know what? It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. You come to a place where you are so excited, you are so in faith that everybody comes up. What's different about you? What's going on? Man, I believe you are receiving. God is doing something in your life. Everybody can see it. And then you actually give birth to the baby. But you know when that baby comes is not when that baby comes. That baby was already there. And for those of you that don't believe this, it's true that at conception, that is a child. Not just when it's born, but at conception. Right here in this first chapter of the book of Luke, when Mary went and spoke to Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to glorify God. And she says, what is this that the mother of my Lord has come unto me? For in the moment I heard your voice, the moment your voice sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. She was six months pregnant is what this says at that time. And at six months, John the Baptist was jumping for joy. And the scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. The Lord didn't fill a fetus with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't fill fetuses. It was a physical human being that had joy and jumped for joy. You abort a baby, you are killing a living human being. Amen. And when that baby is born is not when it becomes a human being. It was already conceived. And you know what? You have to carry it for nine months. And I don't know that we're limited to nine months in the spirit realm, but there is a process. You have to conceive, you have to carry it, it grows, it gets bigger, and then there is a time for you to give birth. And you know, the average Christian doesn't even have this concept. They just think, well, if God's God, he can just do it. Snap your fingers and give me my miracle. God didn't operate that way. It took him 4,000 years to create Jesus. And even after Jesus was implanted in Mary's womb, there was a nine-month growth period. And then when Jesus was born, he was Christ. They said that he was Lord at his birth is what the angels proclaimed. They, they worshipped him as being Christ, the Lord. He was Lord, and yet he had to grow, it says in Luke 2:52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Took God 4,000 years to speak him into existence, nine months to be born, 30 years to grow up and get prepared and begin his ministry. If God himself took time, how in the world do we come up with this idea that if God wanted to, just boom, like that, I can be healed. It would really change your life if you just got this concept that God operates under his own constraints that he created. And of course, there are miracles that take place. You know the reason God gave gifted people with the gift of miracles and the gifts of healing? is because if, if this was the only way to receive from God is to take the word, meditate on it until it germinates and comes alive and then you carry it to term and you give birth to a miracle. If that was the only way to receive from God, what would happen to the person who only got born again tonight and they were gonna, the, the doctors told them they'd die within a week if they didn't have time to conceive and give birth and bring it to full term. That would mean that people that were already in crisis situations would just have to die. 
And since the Lord loves us, he made a provision for that. And that provision is that there are certain people in the body of Christ that have the gift of miracles and the gifts of healings that they can come through and they can just get it for you miraculously without you conceiving it. It's an anointing on their life. And those things do exist. And there are people in the body that you can get miraculous manifestations with little or no effort on your part. But the problem is that was never intended to be the normal. That is not the way that God wants you to live. But because he loves us so much, if you're in a crisis situation and if you don't have time to conceive, well then praise God, go adopt one through somebody who has this gift of miracles. But you know what? The better way is for you to learn how to have your own miracle. For you to learn how to conceive that miracle yourself. And that's what God intended. He never intended for us to substitute the gifts of miracles, the gifts of healings for us learning how to conceive and have a miracle on our own. And as a whole, the body of Christ has been impotent, barren, unable to produce. We depend upon a few individuals who can produce miracles and we go and adopt them. But we haven't been able to produce on our own. I'm telling you, if you could get this mindset, it's just powerful. The Bible says that the Word of God is health unto all of your flesh and life to them that find it. That's uh, Proverbs chapter 4, somewhere around 21, 22, 25, somewhere in there. The Word is health unto all of your flesh. Psalms 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. God's Word is living and alive. It has power. There is no word from God that is void of power. Words are like, the Word of God is like little seeds. And if you want a miracle, go to the Word of God. Find one of these words and meditate on it until it comes alive on the inside of you. You know, I was talking to, in our Bible school this week and I was talking about how the Word just like burns on the inside of me. Man, if I have a problem, if I get discouraged, if anything comes my way, I can solve it quick. I just go back and I spend some time studying the Word. And man, the Word of God, it converts the soul. It makes wise the simple. It enlightens the eyes. It rejoices the heart. Whatever my problem is, the Word of God, it's just like giving me a shot of something. I come alive when I go to study in the Word. And I had one of our Bible college students say, I try and read the Word, but it just don't get a thing out of it. It doesn't do that for me. What do I do? And I honestly didn't have an answer. I said, I don't even relate to that. Jeremiah chapter 20 verse 9 says that the word is like fire shut up in my bones. I can't forbear. I had to speak. God's word just burns on the inside of me. If you haven't experienced that, it's not God who doesn't give. It's you that somehow or another are insulated with unbelief that won't allow that seed to germinate and transmit its power. And so the only thing I know to tell you is to just keep at it and stay at it until you soften your heart because the Word has this same potential. The Bible says over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, I've already quoted that verse, but it says that it's an incorruptible seed. 
You know, in the natural realm, you can throw seed in the ground and some seed just doesn't germinate for whatever reason. It rots in the ground. Not every seed will grow. But God's Word isn't like that. Every Word of God is powerful. It is an incorruptible seed. There is no such thing as a promise that won't work for anybody. There is nothing wrong with the promise. It's always the soil is what it teaches in Mark chapter 4. It's the soil, whether we have a hardened heart, whether we let the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things choke it. But if you could get this concept, the Word is powerful. This is how God created Jesus. He spoke this. These are anointed words. And all you've got to do, if you're sick, go take the Scriptures on healing and start meditating on them until all of a sudden, boom, they germinate on the inside of you. And you know what? It's it's impossible impossible for you to meditate on the word day and night and not make your way prosperous and not have good success. Joshua chapter one, verse eight says that you meditate in this book of the law day and night. Don't let it depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it. And then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. It's impossible for it not to work. If all of these things I'm saying be true, then brothers and sisters, what's the problem? The problem is that we haven't been exalting God's word. We don't meditate on it. We let the word of anybody else, everybody else come in. We're meditating on things other than this. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It didn't say carnal mindedness tends towards death is one of the causes of death. It just says carnal mindedness equals death. Spiritual mindedness equals life and peace. What is spiritual mindedness? John 6, 63 says the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Being spirit minded is being word minded. If all you do is think the word of God, all you'll get is word of God results. If you aren't getting word or God results, you've been thinking something other than word. And some of you, you're condemning me. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you the truth. But you're saying it's my fault. That's exactly what I'm saying. It is your fault. It's my fault. Yes, if things aren't working, it's because we aren't working the word. The word is an incorruptible seed. Some of you say, but oh, I know the word. I pray. I believe the word. I am a word person. And yet I'm, I'm reaping nothing but bad things in my life. Can't happen. Anybody miss that? You know, I don't have to be present when you plant your garden to tell what you planted. All I got to do is come around when something starts growing And if it's growing there, you planted it. Everything produces after its own kind. You don't don't plant corn and get peas. It produces after its own kind. It's a law of God. Whatever you are reaping, that is what you've sown. Or you've let somebody else sow it. You haven't protected your garden. But whatever is growing in your garden, it was planted there. And so I don't have to be there when you plant it or I don't have to be there if somebody else came in and sowed something in your garden. All I have to do is just be there when it grows up. And I can tell you exactly what was planted by what's growing. I can look at your life. 
And if you're sick, if you're poor, if you're angry, if you're diseased, if you're bitter, if you're angry, if you have all of these problems, I can guarantee you, you have not been word-minded. Every one of you have the ability to bear fruit. You have the ability to take the Word of God and meditate in it, and then it will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Every one of you have the ability to keep your mind stayed on the Lord, and you will have life and peace. God's Word will not return void. It's as simple as this. You've got a spiritual wound. What are you putting in it? And you know, just like a ground, ground doesn't care what you plant in it. You don't have to plant corn or peas. You could go out and sow briars and thorns. The ground doesn't care. You, whatever you plant, it'll make it grow. It'll grow. Whatever you plant in it, it'll grow. And you're that way on the inside. Whatever you occupy your imagination with, whatever you focus your attention upon, it grows in your life. If you are watching as the stomach turns on the television and hatred and strife and bitterness and anger and divorce and all of the junk that's going on, if you're letting the sewage of this world flow through your mind and then you're depressed and you say, why won't God give me joy? How dumb can you get and still breathe? You've planted it. You've allowed other people to plant it. You just sit there and let the sewage of this world, you listen to all of the junk that the world has to talk about. And then you wonder, why is it that I'm depressed? Why is it that I don't have faith? You listen to unbelief all of the time. I'm not saying these things to condemn you. I'm saying it to help you. This is just how the kingdom works. It's so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand this. And yet Christians, I just don't understand why hadn't God done anything? That's like the person that says, I don't understand why I don't have corn and peas and okra and squash. I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've fasted. I've done everything I know and I don't have a single thing growing in my garden. Have you planted anything? No, but I've prayed. Man, I have prayed, I'm fasting. I can guarantee you, if you don't plant, you aren't going to reap. And we've got, again, I'm not trying to criticize any of you. Here you are on Friday night. This isn't your nod to God crowd. You're more committed than the average person. I'm not trying to condemn you, but I can guarantee you the vast majority of people sitting in this auditorium tonight are not taking the word, planning it, meditating in it, controlling your heart and your life and focused on it 100%. We get occupied with the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. You've got your kids going in 30 different directions and you barely have time enough to sleep and to eat, much less study the word. Our lives are so busy we live in such nice houses that we all have to work two jobs and do all of these things to keep up. And there is no time for anything except just pursuing the American dream. And for whatever reason, we are just choking the word. And then we're confused about why isn't, why aren't I having the abundant life? You got to take these seeds and you got to plant them in your life. And understand that in the same way that Mary... There had to be a seed. It wasn't just a total miracle. It was a miracle in the sense that a man didn't supply the seed. 
But she had to conceive. It was still the same process that a woman goes through. She has to be impregnated. There has to be a seed sown. There was a seed sown in Mary's life. It was the Word of God. She humbled herself and received it. It says, So be it unto me according to thy word. And she conceived by the Word of God entering into her. You need to conceive. You need to take the Word of God and let the Word of God impregnate you. You know, I didn't understand all of these things, but this is what I did in 1968 in the years following. I remember being over in Arlington, Texas, and I had a vision. God showed me what I'm going to be doing and that I'd be reaching millions of people around the world, and I'd never been outside of Arlington, Texas. And where God was showing me and the things I was feeling in my heart, they were so far from where I was that it just looked, there's no way to get there from here. You can't do it. And I remember kneeling around my bed and praying and just crying out, God, what do I do? How do I do this? I don't know how to even get started. I don't even know what direction to go in. And I was just saying, God, help. Where do I go? What do I do? And I remember I opened my eyes and my Bible was just laying on my bed in front of me. And when I opened my eyes and looked, the Lord spoke to him and he says, if you'll just stick your nose in this book and study it, it'll teach you everything you know. And that was a word from God. And I started studying the word up to 15 hours a day, studying it, meditating on it. And you know what? It's just exactly like I described to you. I didn't understand the things I've told you tonight, but all of a sudden, boom, I knew something was different on the inside of me. Nobody else could tell it, but I knew it was different. And man, my life began to start taking on uh, purpose and stuff. Now other people can see that I'm pregnant. Other people can see. But you know what? I've known this a long time. I've seen it. I've felt it. I knew it. And praise God, we're giving birth and seeing miracles happen now. But it didn't start today. It didn't start last year. You know, I've been carrying this thing for 39 years since March the 23rd, 1968. Man, God started to work in me. Matter of fact, in 1999, uh, it was July of 1999, I had a dream, and it's a long story, but the Lord spoke to me and said, the time has come. And I woke up out of a dead sleep, and I heard those words, the time has come, and it was so real, I knew it was God. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I went in and started studying what does the time has come mean and I started looking up that phrase in scripture and I found first Samuel where when her time to deliver had come and the Lord spoke to me and he says what I conceived in you March the 23rd 1968 you are just now going to give birth to it he says when you start on television January the 3rd 2000 you are just now starting to do you're just now giving birth (laughs) amen that was a long pregnancy March the 23rd, 1968 to January the 3rd, 2000. And when I did that, I just then started accomplishing what God told me to do. Man, that's awesome. And you know what, man, I've seen some wonderful things happen. But it's this exact process. I'm I'm testifying to you that I am not a rocket scientist. I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you are plain as dirt. I got an email last week. Somebody that came to Pastor Dean Melton's church in Charlotte 
And he sent out an email to his entire mailing list saying, you've got to go to this guy's website. And he was recommending me. And he said when he came to Charlotte, he was, he was sorely unimpressed with me. He said, I was one of the most unimpressive people he's ever been around. <laughs> But he was saying that's the reason I liked him is because it wasn't smoking mirrors and he wasn't hyping anything and says it wasn't him. It was the message. And he was telling these other people, you need to get his thing. You know, I'm aware that I'm not the, the greatest example. If I would have been picking, I wouldn't have chosen me. I was an introvert. I couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to them. I wouldn't have picked me. But you know, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro And he's looking for people that are weak, despised, base, nothing, so that he can show himself powerful is what it says in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30. Because see, when he uses somebody that doesn't have any charisma, anything going for them, they're a hick from Texas, no offense to you, but everywhere else that I go, (laughs) people understand when I say I'm a hick from Texas. And you know what? When he uses somebody that's a hick from Texas, man, you say, God, it's got to be you. (laughs) It's so that no flesh will glory in his presence. But you know, those of you who think you're really awesome and boy, no wonder God chose you. What a wise choice. You can see the wisdom of it. God, you just get me on the stage and I can take it from here. (laughs) You're the kind that God doesn't want to use because all the credit would go to you. Man, God puts out a request for employment differently than people would. He doesn't advertise for the brightest and the best. He wants somebody who will be dependent upon him. And those who have nothing going for him say, God, it's got to be you. And he says, you'll do. Amen. <laughs> I can use you. And I'm just telling you that, you know what, the only reason that God has blessed my life, and I've seen my son raised from the dead, and I've seen blind eyes open and deaf ears open, and I've seen people's lives changed, and the Word of God is working is because... I've done what we've talked about tonight and I've taken the Word of God and meditated on it and it works. If it'll work for me, it'll work for any of you. You know, if what I'm saying is true, which it is, your response ought to be that God, if this is how simple it is, then man, I'm giving priority to the Word of God. I'm going to start cutting out things. I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to put the Word of God first place. I'm going to meditate in it day and night until I make my way prosperous, until I have good success. I'm going to take the Scriptures and meditate on it until the Word is health unto all of my flesh and life to those that find it, until God sends His Word and heals me and delivers me from all of my destructions. It's exactly this simple. But the hardest thing you'll ever do is unplug from this world and live a separated life where you put God's Word first in your life. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes commitment. And I've missed out on a lot of things. There's some of you that know all of the sports trivia. You can tell me who won the Super Bowl. You know who's in the Hall of Fame. You know things that I don't even come close to knowing. I've missed a lot. But I've also missed a lot of sickness and disease and heartache and failure. And you know what? When it comes to Bible trivia games, I'm just useless. I just, I mean, not Bible trivia, but trivia games. I just sit there. Everybody else is throwing out these answers and I just, it's, it's embarrassing. It's like I've missed 38 years. I just don't know very much outside of the Bible. But you know what? The Word of God's working. 
If I have to choose, I'll just choose to know the Word of God. And I tell you, the Bible says again that God's eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show Himself strong in behalf of those that are perfect in His sight. Perfect in His sight doesn't mean that you're sinless. It just means those that are seeking Him with your whole heart, those that are focused on Him. The Lord's in this building tonight looking for someone. I believe that this is a word from God to you. And the Lord is looking and He's asking people right now, will you take the Word of God and meditate on it until it germinates on the inside of you? Will you get pregnant? Will you carry the Word and not abort it? Will you let the Word of God have its full impact in your life so that you can fulfill whatever it is that God's called you to do? Man, the Lord's looking for people here tonight. And He's no respecter of persons. doesn't matter about your education, what color you are. It doesn't matter about anything other than your commitment. Are you willing to commit yourself? Will you do what Mary did and say, So be it unto me according to thy word. If you'll do that, there is no limit to your potential. God can do anything with you. But we need to quit looking for an adoption. And you need to start getting pregnant and having your own miracles. You need to quit depending on Pastor Bob and coming to him and and mooching off of him, which again, he's given his life and we love this. And there are times that all of us need help. But you shouldn't be 40 years old in the Lord, still having to run to Pastor Bob and Joy every time you need something. You need to learn. You need to grow up. You need to mature. You need to start having your own miracles. And let Him deal with the babies. Let Him help the people that are brand new. Man, if you're 50 years old, pull your thumb out of your mouth. Grow up. Start acting like an adult. Have some interaction, some intercourse with the Holy Ghost and with the Word of God and let the Word of God take root on the inside of you and start being one that fathers other miracles and sees other people helped and quit being somebody that is having to be born all of the time. I'm not saying that to rebuke you in anger. I'm saying it in love. Grow up. Grow up. Start taking the Word. You know, hopefully tonight there's some people here that just honestly didn't know this. And this is revelation. And now it's like you got a track to run on. You didn't understand how to do things. And so praise God. If it was ignorance that was keeping you from doing it, you can't claim ignorance anymore. But now you got a track to run on. Will you do it? Will you commit yourself? Will you receive the Word of God? Will you let it work on the inside of you? Isn't that good? Father, I love you and I thank you for these truths. Thank you for the way that you have established the kingdom, this physical kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. Father, thank you for revelation knowledge of the Word of God. Father, I believe that the Holy Spirit is here, present tonight, imparting life to people through these words. Father, I thank you that people who have been barren who have never produced a miracle themselves. They've had to go and ask other people, could I adopt your child? But Father, they've never had a miracle of their own. Father, I pray that tonight you help them to open up their heart and receive the Word of God and get spiritually pregnant 
and begin to start producing and reproducing the life of God in this earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You know, I'm saying this in a godly way, but I believe that the Holy Spirit, just like it said that He would overshadow Mary and that which would be conceived in her would be of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here tonight looking for people that would humble themselves and say, so be it according to thy word. And the Holy Spirit is here to help you conceive. You can start with the word that you've heard tonight. This is a word from God. Some of you need to humble yourself and say, God, I receive it. And then not be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. You need to commit yourself that, God, I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to receive your word. I'm going to know the word of God like the back of my hand. I'm not going to have to go to somebody else and ask them what the word says. I'm going to know the word. I thank you that this word is going to come alive on the inside of me, that it'll be like fire burning in my bones. The Holy Spirit is here looking for people that will open up your heart and receive this word and start the process. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I believe that there's some miraculous things happening. There's some of you that this answers questions that you've had for years. There's some of you that have felt like God just failed you. Why didn't things happen? You prayed. But tonight you realize you never sowed the seed. The Lord is answering questions. There's some of you that have felt like, man, failure. Now you realize it wasn't God that failed you. It was you that failed to take the Word of God and and plant it in your heart. Your confusion, your anger, your frustration is leaving. Now it's like you've got understanding. There's hope coming alive on the inside of people. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just speaking these things by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm trying to encourage you. God's knocking on your heart's door and trying to let you get rid and let go of these things and let the hope of God. He's trying to let the Word of God take root on the inside of you. You need to open up and receive this right now. Some of you have lost your vision. You tried something. There's some people that have tried the ministry and you've taken some steps But things didn't work properly. And you just got discouraged. And you've backed off. And the Lord is saying that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You can go back. You can revive this. Contrary to the physical birth, you know, if you you have a, a miscarriage or something, it's over. But in the spiritual realm here, God says He can revive that. He can bring this vision back to life. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29. And God can revive those, those visions on the inside of you that you thought died. God can revive it. The Lord is speaking to some people and He's given you instructions that if you'll take the Word of God and do it His way, you can see it come to pass. There are some of you tonight that you're in process. And you're getting very tired of carrying this miracle and you're about ready to just bolt because it's, you're feeling like it's taking too long. It's to your advantage. The Lord is waiting until that miracle is fully mature so that it can stand on its own, so that it can survive. The Lord is telling you to just be patient. You, your job isn't 
to bring the birth, the delivery. Your job is just to carry it, to meditate on it, to keep focused. You do that, and I guarantee you it's inevitable that when it's brought to full term, you'll deliver. You'll see your deliverance. Praise God. Man, there's healings that are being conceived right now. There's some of you that are beginning to take the word. God is showing you scriptures right now and showing you things that you need to do. There's some of you that in the financial realm, you've been praying for blessings and finances, but you haven't taken the word of God and meditated on it and conceived this. You don't see yourself prosperous on the inside. You see yourself poor. You got a poverty mentality. You need to change that. You need to take the Word of God until you see yourself able to accomplish whatever it is that God's called you to do. Thank you, Jesus. There's some of you that need to meditate on your children until you see them doing what God has said about them, not what you see with your physical eyes. You need to let the Word of God take root on the inside of you and paint a different picture than what you're seeing with your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this. We receive it, Father. Hallelujah. You know, everybody could respond right now. I believe that God is speaking to every one of us. But I specifically want to get a response from those of you that this is like not just something uh, that's an addition to a truth that you already knew or something like that. This isn't just an encouragement or reminder of something that you already knew. But there are some people here that your life is exactly the opposite of what I've been talking about. You aren't meditating in the Word. You haven't conceived anything. You're spiritually barren. And yet you've been praying and desiring all of these things. And this was a word from God to you tonight. And I know that there's people here that the Lord is wanting you to humble yourself and just like Mary say, so be it unto me according to thy word. Now again, everybody can receive that to a degree, but I'm not talking about those that have already begun this process, those that are already have seen fruit and now God has just encouraged you to do something else. I'm wanting to talk specifically to the people that have been barren, you haven't been seeking God, you've been praying and hoping for a miracle, but you haven't conceived it yourself. And tonight, God spoke to you and you are saying, I'm changing this situation. I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm receiving this word and my life is going to change. I'm going to start having my own miracles. If that's you and if God spoke to you, I want you to just affirm it and humble yourself by just standing right where you are and I'm going to pray for you and we're going to just receive this word and you're making a commitment by standing to say that that's the way I was but I'm changing and now I'm going to begin to start letting God's word work in me I'm going to meditate in it and I don't care how long it takes I'm going to see the word of God produce a miracle in my life We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net, and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, 80934. 
Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.